Great to have each and every one of you here today, and as Pastor Scott said, today is an exciting day here at First Baptist Church because it's the day where we get to encourage every one of you uh, to get involved around here, to take a step, the next step uh, to getting involved in a community group or getting involved in a ministry and using those giftings. And um, even as Pastor Scott explained as well, today is the very first day that you are here. Or if you've been coming for a few weeks, few months, uh, what a better day to, to find out. That this is kind of a, a starting line. It's to say, okay, I, I can start the race now for this upcoming year of getting involved and growing in some aspect of my Christian walk, whether that's a Sunday school class, whether that's a community group, whether that's a Wednesday night elective, whatever it may be, or getting involved in a ministry to serve. Um, if you are a follower of Jesus, we've been talking about this over the last month or so in this series called Gifted. We've said you have been gifted with some spiritual gifts that God intends for you to use. Don't neglect them. Put them into practice. Use them. And not only one gift for many of you, but it could be multiple gifts that you have. In, in fact, just kind of as, as a starting line base, let me give you an idea of what we really expect for people here who attend First Baptist Church. Let me give you three quick little things that we say, if you're not involved with this, you're missing out on what God wants you to do. The first one is this, that you would be involved and connected into some sort of hour of worship here at First Baptist Church. Whether it's 8 o'clock, whether it's 9.30, whether it's 11.15. And if you're not familiar with our 8 o'clock service, they have much more traditional piano and hymns. Uh, and then obviously you know what happens here at the 9.30 and the 11.15. We desire that you go to one of those services. You get to worship with others. You get to be connected. You get to hear God's word taught and preached on a regular basis for the entire congregation. Secondly, we encourage you to be connected to some sort of a growth group. As I said, that might be a Sunday school class. It could be a Wednesday night elective we have coming up. It could be a community group, as Pastor Scott talked about just a bit ago. But it is so important to open up God's Word with other believers and hear what it has to say. Let you be taught and you teach others um, out of God's Word. Number two. Number three would be that you find a place that you would call a ministry that you would serve in some aspect, in some way, and in a huge way, that is what you're discovering today, and hopefully you've discovered a little bit more over the last few weeks. So you put these all together, we've kind of put a little uh, sweet spot in the middle of this as well. When those all overlap, which I think they're going to have happen, Matt, is that going to take place? There it is, all right. When you kind of have them overlapping, um, you find the sweet spot of being connected into worship and praise of God, of, of, of letting God's word feed you, and then also feeding others or helping others, serving others. That's when you become a balanced Christian. That's when you become a healthy person who's taking in God's word, but also giving out God's word. Because if you take too much in, you become fat and bloated, right? So you want to be able to give that out. You want to be able to exercise it. You want to be able to serve. In fact, there was a, a man in the Bible, and if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Timothy. A man in the Bible who encouraged uh, a younger believer to do just that. He said, it is so important for you to use your gifts. It is so important for you 
to, to take in God's word and be able to teach that to others. His name was Paul. He wrote to a man by the name of Timothy. Some think that he was a very young man when he wrote these words because in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, here's what he says. He says, let no one despise you for your youth. Doesn't matter if you're a little younger, a little older. No one has to look down on you. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. He says, you can do this. You, you have a gift. And how do I know that? Because in a bit we're going to read that. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And then look at verse 14. He says, do not neglect the what? The gift that you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. In other words, they came together, they recognized this gift in Timothy, they prayed for him, they confirmed that in them, and Paul now is saying, don't neglect that. Use that. Teach others. Share with those others. Encourage others. Verse 15. It says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. They can see what you've been doing and helping them to do it as well. Now, go back up to verse 7 in the same chapter. The second part of verse 7 says, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. What Paul is saying here, he's saying, be strong in the spiritual things of life. They make a difference in this life, but they even more so make a difference in the life to come. Do not neglect the gift that you have, Timothy. Put it into practice. Use it. And then Paul has been using this um, athletic terminology where it says, train yourself. In fact, if you have your Bibles open, keep your thumb there in 1 Timothy and jump over just a few books to 1 Corinthians. Because in 1 Corinthians is where we see Paul's most famous athletic teaching and exhortation that he gives. When he says, do you not know, and this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. Now let me explain a little bit about what Paul is doing here. Paul knew that the Corinthians were um, familiar with these Olympic-type games called the Isthmian Games. In fact, did you know that the Olympic Games predate this New Testament? The Olympics, which we are watching right now, and I hope some of you have tuned in, um, they predate this time. And the people of Corinth would have known about those games. There was another set of games, though, that were done every other year that were called the Isthmian Games. And um, they were kind of interesting because um, I did a little research on them this week, and I found out that they had some of the same 
events that we see today, but they have a few different ones as well. They, they had um, events like foot races and wrestling and boxing. They would throw a discus. They would huck a javelin across the, across the field. They would do a long jump. They did chariot racing as well as Ben-Hur. Many of you are familiar with that. It's a movie out right now, so they did chariot racing. But they also did poetry reading and singing. Very interesting. Anybody seen poetry reading or singing in the Olympic Games? No. No, but, but, but that's what took place back in these games. Poetry reading, um, uh, singing, and all many of the other events that we see today, see today. Now, what was different, however, in the days of Paul was that they didn't have a gold and a silver and a bronze medal. And so Paul talks about this, this imperishable crown. Because they had a crown, it was often called a wreath that they would put on the winner's head, but it was only for a winner. They didn't have a first place crown, and a second place crown, and a third place crown. They only had one. One prize. Either you won, or you didn't. There was no second place award. Winning was everything. And so when you see this verse now, when Paul says in verse 24... Do you not know that all the runners run in a race, but only one receives the prize? He's saying, literally, only one gets it. That's how I want you to run. Run so that you may obtain it. Now, it doesn't say that you have to win it. It doesn't say that, you know, winning is everything, and if you don't win, then you're a loser. It says, run so that you may obtain it. In other words, do your best. Set your personal record. Don't care what someone on your left and your right. You run the race that you are called to run. Now, Paul knew about these kinds of things because he went, I believe, to these kind of games. I believe he went to the city of Corinth and he watched them as he did these games. And he got these ideas. And he thought, you know what? What great analogies of how... Uh, a runner runs in uh, an Olympic type of games or in the Ithmian type of games. He says, hey, in your spiritual walk, do the same type of thing. Run, walk in order to win the prize. Go for the gold medal. Win the trophy. Go after the trophy that lasts. Because here's the truth. You are either seeking a trophy or atrophy. Which one is it for you? Think about that. And, and there's not a whole lot of difference between a trophy and atrophy, is there? What are you seeking? Are you running after a trophy or is it atrophy? You, you, you know the word atrophy, right? It, it, most of the time it probably ties in with your muscles, right? If you don't use those muscles, you what? You lose those muscles. Yeah, atrophy, a gradual decline in effectiveness due to the underuse or neglect of something. First Baptist, what are you seeking? You're, you're either racing after that trophy that, that Paul's encouraging us, go after the long-lasting trophy, the one with imperishable uh, prize at the end, what, or, or, or it's atrophy. It's one or the other. I, I experienced this this last year. Um, if you were here in February, you knew one Sunday you came in and you saw my name on the outline, but I wasn't up in the pulpit preaching. 
that was because I had helped someone move the day before, and I threw my back out. Couldn't move, and I know many of you prayed for me in that. What I realized, and I didn't know this up until that point, was that my back muscles weren't being used very much. In fact, I play basketball very often, um, and my back was kind of getting out of alignment every now and then as well. I'd have to go to the chiropractor, and they'd kind of put it into place. Well, the one chiropractor now that I went to said, uh, you need to exercise those muscles more. You need to wake those muscles up, in fact, in the morning. I said, what? I got to wake up my muscles now? And they said, yeah, you know, sometimes it's just kind of going like this and hitting the different muscles that you have to wake them up. I said, I must be getting old. They said, yep, you are. Because <laughs> I didn't have to do that before, right? And you got to strengthen those muscles. And so every morning, every morning I wake up now, I'm doing, a, I'm doing about 10 minutes of exercises just to get my back muscles strengthened, get my core strengthened, to be able to go throughout the day so I can do what I need to do. The, the, the truth is, folks, you are either seeking a trophy or you are falling into atrophy with your muscles. Your, um, many of us are going to probably watch the Olympics over the next couple of weeks. It started on Friday. You're going to be inspired by some of the athletes and some of the things that they do. Uh, they, they, the things that they are doing, some of them for just a quick amount of time. In fact, the 100-meter dash is less than 10 seconds. Some of them have trained for years and years and years for that. That's a physical trophy that they are seeking. The, the, that's the perishable one. Paul says all that much more. Go after the spiritual trophy. Go after the imperishable one. That's the trophy you seek. And if you're not, you're in atrophy. You don't just stay in neutral. You go one way or the other. Neutral's atrophy. In May uh, this last year, uh, our staff invited anyone who serves around here at First Baptist Church to a dinner. And uh, we gathered in the gymnasium, and we just said thank you to so many of you who serve around here at First Baptist Church. Uh, if you'd signed up for a ministry, you've been involved in ministry, you should have been invited to, to that dinner to be able to come. And one of the things that I talked with our people about are I'm thankful that they are not part of a little red hen type of a church. In fact, they're not the ones who are doing the little red hen stuff. Any of you remember the story about the little red hen? You remember? Okay, a few of you. All right. Uh, let me read to you the story of the little red hen, all right? Uh, this is just a short, quick little story. Um, you know, Jesus often told stories, and when he did, um, he used common, everyday objects that, that just delivered incredibly poignant truths. And so let me read this to you. This is from a treasury of bedtime stories, but do not fall asleep on me, all right, here today. And this is from the wonderful theologian uh, Mother Goose, all right? Here goes. Once upon a time, in a small, cozy little house, a little red hen lived with her chicks. The little red hen worked very hard taking care of her house and her family. She was a happy little hen, and she sang cheerful songs as she did her chores. The little red hen had three friends, a cat, a dog, and a pig, who lived very near her. And every day she watched her three friends playing, but the little red hen didn't have time to play. She was too busy with her chicks and her house. The little red hen started each day early in the morning. She cooked breakfast for her chicks. She made the beds and tended her garden. She cooked the meals, washed the clothes, scrubbed the floors. She worked hard morning till night. But her, whoa, amen on that, huh? 
Okay, we're starting to get spiritual here now. All right, all right. But her three lazy friends, the cat, the pig, and the dog, never seemed to work at all. They went for long walks in the sunshine, lay about in the soft grass, and spend their time reading stories and playing games. One sunny day, the little red hen was outside working hard in her garden. She looked down at the ground when she pulled some weeds, and she noticed some grains of wheat. Who will plant this wheat? The little red hen asked her three friends. Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the pig. Then I will do it myself, said the little red hen. The little red hen planted the grains of wheat. Soon the wheat grew. The little red hen looked at the growing wheat and asked, Who will tend the wheat? Oh, not I, said the cat. Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the pig. Then I will do it myself, said the little red hen to her three friends. The days went by and the little red hen worked very hard farming the wheat. She watered the field and hoed the ground and pulled the weeds. Finally, the wheat was ripe and ready to be harvested. The little red hen asked, Who will help me cut all this wheat? Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the pig. Then I will do it myself, said the little red hen. The little red hen worked from morning to night, cutting the golden wheat. When she finished harvesting all the wheat, she loaded it into her wagon. The little red hen looked at the wagon filled with uh, wheat and asked, Who will help me take the wheat to the mill to be ground into flour? Oh, not I, said the cat. Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the pig. Then I will do it myself, said the little red hen to her three friends. The little red hen walked a long way to the village. She pulled her wagon of wheat behind her. When she got to the village, she went to see the miller. Will you grind this wheat into flour for me, said the little red hen. Oh, yes, said the miller. This wheat will make enough good flour for bread for all of your chicks. The miller ground the wheat into flour, and the little red hen set out back for home. This time in her wagon, she had a large sack of flour to make bread. When the little red hen came back to her house, her three lazy friends were waiting for her. She showed them the flour. Now I shall bake some bread with the flour, said the little red hen. Who will help me bake the bread? Oh, not I, said the cat. Not I, said the dog. You can fill in what the pig said, right? Not I, said the pig. Then I will do it myself, said the little red hen, and began to wonder if these were really her friends. When the bread was baked, the little red hen asked, who will help me eat the bread? Oh, I will, said the cat. I will, said the dog. I, I will, said the pig. But the little red hen stamped her foot and said angrily to the cat, the dog, and the pig, oh no. I found the wheat. I planted the wheat. I tended the wheat, I harvested the wheat, I took the wheat to be grounded into flour, and I made the bread. Then the little red hen said, all these things I did by myself. Now my chicks and I will eat this bread all by ourselves. And they did.
you can kind of see some similarities to a story Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25, where he talks about three servants, how they've been given five talents, three talents, and one talent. And I've taught this many times, so I don't have time to teach it here today. But basically the story is that the one who had five used his talents, the one who had three used his talents, but the one who had one did not. And to remember the words that were talked about, according to that servant, they said, you wicked you lazy servants. That's what Jesus said in regards to the one who didn't use his talent. In fact, the ESV calls him slothful, filled with sloth, because he wasn't doing anything with what God had given to him. You know, we just had a number of people go through a Discover Your Design class. Pastor Derek took them through that class to help people discover what gifts and abilities they had. Whole room full of people, last couple of weeks. Many of them discovered the different gifts that they have, and many of them even got to see how those gifts can be used even here at First Baptist Church. But if none of them do anything with what they learned, what good is it? Not worth anything. Same sort of thing for us here at First Baptist Church. You've been here, many of you, for the last four or five weeks. You've been hearing the messages. You've been hearing that you've been gifted. Put it into practice. But if you don't do anything with it, it doesn't do much. And, and I know some of you, some of you may say, well, you know what, Pastor Brad, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I, and and I, I, I'm kind of fearful that, you know, I won't be good at representing God or maybe someone will ask me some questions or such. Well, then here's what we're asking. Get involved somewhere. Get involved in some sort of community group so that you can grow in your faith. And Pastor Scott just walked you through and said on September 17th, you can sign up to learn the whole Old Testament. Get a bird's eye view of what God's doing in the Old Testament. Have that knowledge in here, and that's going to come in here when you serve and put that into practice. And then afterwards, for the next six weeks, get involved with that series called God's Grand Story. Get into one of our community groups and be involved. We cannot encourage you to do that enough. Please sign up. You can begin signing up today. However, that's six weeks away from now. What I would encourage you to do right now is to take out this form. We know many of you are involved in Sunday school in a class like that. Terrific. Great. Continue to do that. We start back up here, though, in about 10 days on our Wednesday night programs. You want a program starts up, our youth start up. You can see the different classes that we have here as well. And uh, let me just highlight some of them. Book of Genesis is going to be studied. Book of Hebrews is going to be studied. The book of Ruth is going to be studied. There'll be a men's conquer group, overcoming addictions and such. Worship rehearsal if you're a part of the worship uh, arts program. Uh, if you're inclined to do any of those studies, please jump in. Get involved. Let me give you another one, though. It was the first one that was listed up there, the marriage class. Pastor Derek and I are going to be walking six weeks going through a marriage class that's going to be going over the love and respect materials. I've taught this class at least a dozen times here at First Baptist Church. Every time I teach it, I end up being a better husband because of the materials that are taught there. We're going to open up God's Word, see what God's Word says about marriage and what we can do to be a godly husband, to be a godly wife. If you're not in one of these other classes, if you're married here, you need to come through that class. I think every married couple needs to come through that class at some point in time. Get involved. Someplace, somehow, start to grow. It is not an option to just sit on the sidelines and do nothing. 
Paul says it in verse, uh, verse 15. If you jump back into 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And again, if you don't feel qualified, do something. Practice. Get into some sort of a study. Progress will come. Because here's the truth. I think God thinks more highly of you than you even think of yourself. Understand that. God thinks much, much higher of you than you even think of yourself. He has asked you to be a part of his plan. He has asked you to serve in his name. He has asked you to be a minister of reconciliation, it says, to Thessalonians, that you would be one who would help bring people back to him. That's our job. In fact, look at the paragraph on your outline down at the bottom of the page. It's about midway through the page. It says, everyone has some gift. Therefore, all should be encouraged. No one has all the gifts, so all should be humble. All gifts are for the one body. Therefore, all should be harmonious. All gifts are from the Lord. Therefore, all should be contented. All gifts are needed. Therefore, all should be faithful all the gifts depend on his fullness for power. Therefore, all should keep in close touch with him. That's how you serve. You stay connected to him through his word. You stay connected to him through prayer. You stay in touch with him. And when you do, and when you're part of a place where you worship God, when you take his word in, some sort of a study group, and then you serve that's when you hit a sweet spot. That's when your fellowship is sweet with the Lord as you walk with Him. And, and you know, I especially am so humbled to get to serve alongside many of you who have done it for years and years and years and years. This last week, many of us were, were saddened to hear some, some grave news from um, a gentleman in our church by the name of Robert Landon. Uh, he and his wife Diana have been attending here for years, and uh, he was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. Uh, about a week ago. Well, about 10 days or so ago. You know what Robert did the first Sunday after having that diagnosis? He still showed up to teach the threes class, which he's been doing for years. In fact, he went in there and he started to talk to the teachers and to share with them a little bit about what was going on and to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I got to step away for a little while, but he's loved doing that class for so many years. I called he and Diana this week and we got to talking about things, and I said, I said, Robert, how many years have you served in that three-year-old's class? He said, I've served in there for 36 years. You know how he knew it was 36 years? Because his daughter was three years old when he began. And Lindsay, I'm sorry, I just gave away your age. Sorry about that. Okay? She was three when he stepped in there, and he has continued to say, I will, I will. I will, instead of not me, not me, not me. And that's what we need around here. We need people who are faithful to use their gifts. He has a gift. And until the day the Lord calls him home, whatever that will be, we prayed on the phone that it would be still years away. We don't know when that is. He knows that he needs to use that gift in some way, somehow. 
You know, we have such gifted people around here. I said a few weeks ago when we started the series, I said some of the greatest ministries are not even discovered yet. I know a gentleman in, in our church who frequents kind of a, 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 a business that sells pastries and bread goods. And he approached the owner and said, hey, would you mind if uh, at the end of the day, well, for the next day, if you have to throw out some of this stuff, if I could take it down to the gospel rescue mission? I'll just come and I'll pick it up early, early in the morning the next day, and I'll deliver it down there. That, that's a ministry. That's done in the name of Jesus. I had a couple who stopped me afterwards. They said, you know what, Pastor Brad, we've been doing that for about a decade on Sundays. Taking food, about two to $3,000 worth of food that gets thrown out from Saturdays. If we didn't come and get it, they come pick it up after the 8 o'clock service because they come into the 8 o'clock service. And then they go and they take that down to St. Mary's Dining Hall and to the Gospel Rescue Mission. They say we also go by and we go get some flowers and we visit the convalescent homes. And we walk through the convalescent homes and we just give the flowers to people. In fact, some people say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have any money to buy it. They say, no, we're not selling this. This is a gift. This is what God thinks of you. You are, you are a blessing to him. Those are ministries that people, those won't even be represented out there along the walkway and in the welcome center. Because those are ministries that people around here have stepped up and said, we want to serve. We want to make a difference. In fact, I thank all of you for your words of encouragement that you gave to the police department this last week. Um, we waited a few weeks for all these cards to come in. You remember I gave these out to you about two or three weeks ago. We, we had hundreds of them come in. I was able to go down with Captain uh, Bob Morgan, or Chaplain Bob Morgan, excuse me, um, and we went to the, the Stockton PD. We got in front of the roll call. We said, gentlemen, thank you so much. And there were a few ladies there as well. Thank you so much for serving our community. We at First Baptist want to say thank you for all that you guys do. I think some of them... If you wouldn't have written up these cards... I wouldn't have been able to do that and to represent all of you. I said, we pray for you. When we hear sirens go by, we pray for you at our church. I don't know if they knew quite what to do with this. I even asked, can I pray over you now? And, and so I did. And as I was walking out, one of the leaders up in the front who was doing the roll call stopped. And he said, hey, pastor, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to us. Do that. Sometimes it's spontaneous things that you do. Sometimes it's, it's an ongoing ministry like Robert does for 36 years. Sometimes they're more short-term projects like we'll do here as a church when we're going to go down in October and paint the entire um, police department, the three stories that are there. Whatever it may be, God has said, you have a gift. And Paul comes along and he says, do not neglect that gift. I'll add gifts because many of you have multiple gifts. Put it into practice. Use it. Make a difference. In fact, um, I, I'm not going to end this message with kind of an inspirational cute little story or something that makes you walk out and feel good. You, you know why? Because I want you to get out there and I want you to be the end of this message. If you're not serving anywhere, Find out different areas when you can, where you can get involved. And I know many dozens and dozens and dozens of you already have a place of serving. Encourage others to do that. Don't let them just walk out the door. In fact, I'm going to be guarding these four doors right out here. I'm not going to let you go out there. Okay? Go out. Serve. Make a difference. Let's pray. God, thank you for a church.
that is not like the little red hen community saying, not me, not me, not me, but Lord, I thank you for a church that has said, I will, I will, I will. But Lord, we know that there are others in this family who have not yet done that. Folks, you know, you know who this message was speaking to. That if you haven't stepped into a place of serving and making a difference, today is a great day. If you haven't stepped into some sort of a community of understanding God's word a little bit greater way, today would be a great day to step up and get involved. Folks, we cannot emphasize enough to be here on September 17th, to learn more about what God's word says, to get involved, sign up, get a part, be a part of a community group so that you can grow, so that you can be blessed and you can bless others. God, your, your word encourages us. That each of us has been given some gifts. And you want us not to just sit on the sidelines, but you want us to serve. You want us involved. You want us to make a difference. Lord, my prayer is that we would step into some sort of ministry here today. That we would step into getting connected in some sort of a growth group. And Lord, all these people here, they know about the worship hour that we do. That they would be regulars hearing your word taught, worshiping you, understanding what that means to be in your incredible presence. Lord, we, we want to make a difference. We don't want to just sit back and watch this city go to pot. Lord, we want to step up. We want to make a difference. And we know that that is only done through the power of your spirit. We know that is only done eternally when we proclaim the name of Jesus. Lord, we can, we can see people get some perishable gifts. We can, we can do some things for some perishable rewards. But, Lord, there is nothing like the trophy that will be given out that is imperishable, the one that lasts. May we strive after that. And we know that only that that is done in your name will make a difference. So, Lord, thank you for your spirit that inspires us now. Thank you for your spirit that we operate in. May we do all that you have called us to do until the day you call us home and place that trophy around our neck and say, well done, good and faithful servants. For it's in the name of Jesus that we now pray. Amen.